Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends. This we switching it up a little bit this week. Instead of Saturday morning at 11, doing this week's show at 6 o'clock on Friday, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in to our many, many loyal listeners who've been with us for over seven years, as long as Off the Shelf's been on the air, and to those who are tuning in for the very first time, welcome back, welcome back, and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and I am, as always, coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, and that's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And again, I thank you for your support, and I encourage you not to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of Long Walk Up. That is my latest book, and it is a powerfully moving and inspirational story about an orphaned little girl in East Africa who goes on to become Africa's first woman president. And you can pick up a copy of Long Walk Up today by visiting www.chistel.com, or you can go to any bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon.com, online or offline. If you don't see it on the store shelf, just ask the clerk for it. They can certainly uh, order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now... Let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest I'm excited about today's show. And our special guest is Rain Thomas. And Rain hails from... (laughs) Hi, Rain. Rain hails from Brooklyn, New York. She is a graduate... Oh, the Bronx. I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting me. (laughs) She is a graduate of the Music and Art High School. So she loves, loves the arts. She's also a blues singer and a former restaurant reviewer and author of the books, Hey, Amy, I'm a Black Lesbian Rabbi, Born Again Bag Lady, I'm 40, I'm Feisty, and There's a Gray Hair in My What? and Gracerisms. Rain would love it if you visit her online at www.rainthomas.com, and I'll spell that for you, R-H-A-Y-N-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. Again, R-H-A-Y-N-E-T-H-O-M-A-S.com. You can go over there, click over to her website. I always tell our listeners, it's one of the fabulous things about online radio. You can click over to Rain Thomas right now and read some of the excerpts from her work and learn more about her as you listen to her, through her interview here at Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Rain. Thank you, Denise. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So so excited as I was researching for your interview, your sense of humor and everything just shines right on through. So I said I'm so excited to have you on on the show. So I want to thank you as well for for being here. I wanted to ask, and I, I often ask a lot of our guests at Off the Shelf this question: Was there an event in your life that made you realize you were a writer? Or did you sort of just stumble into it? And if there was a special event that made you go like, wow, I'm a writer, could you please share with the off-the-shelf listeners a little bit about that event? Well, um, I was a musician for 40 years. And wow. I moved to Las Vegas uh, about nine years ago. And it has its own flavor here, and I kind of got lost. And I was home all the time while he was working, and so my big event was boredom. And um, I started writing some little pieces of paper on a plane trip that I had. And when I got home, I showed my husband all these peanut wrappers and napkins. And I said, look what I did in four hours instead of sleeping. And he said, you should write a book. And I said, I don't know anything about writing a book. And he says, you're the most literary person I've ever met. You should try it. I'm like, oh, okay, what the heck? What, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm home all day. And mm-hmm. before I knew it, I had gracieisms. And it took off. They were selling it in Walmart, and um, universities were calling me and saying, oh, we're using it in our classes. And I wow. thought, wow, this is great. That is amazing. So you just sort of, you did sort of stumble into it. You just It sort of came naturally to you. It was something you said you just started writing on, <laughs> little pieces right. of paper, and then you showed it to your, your husband, which is good that he supported you. Uh, oh, yeah. From there, and I gotta tell you, I love your website. I love your website. So this is again rainthomas.com. Who created your website? I, I mean, oh my goodness, 
you are amazing. I have wonderful friends all over the world. Um, this friend, Dr. Stephen Dietz, you can reach at www.earthvillage.com, and they do everything from the smallest website to the most expansive websites. They do it for people all over the world. So that's um, it's a huge blessing. He's a great person, and um I don't know what to say, but except for go to earthvillage.com, and you can call them, you can email them, just wonderful work. Uh, so that's a friend. Man, you are really, the, the, the universe is a lot of things, good things up for you. You have such a positive essence, and that I gathered that just from the website. And now listening to you talk, I can see that I was I was picking up something accurately. And you have a humorous approach to life, which I think benefits people. This is the way I see you, and I saw it as I was researching for the interview and, and listening to you. It's coming across again. I was just curious, do you see yourself this way? And if so, why do you choose to approach life from this angle? Well, um, you have a couple of different ways of approaching life. You can approach it on the downside and say, poor me, and everything is awful, and um, more of that stuff will come to you. Or you can surround yourself with great people and great things and um, just ask for the best things in life and know that those things will come to you as well. Um, I think laughter started out when um, some dysfunction happened as I was younger, and I handled it by making fun of it. Because, you know, a lot of times we mask our pain with Mm -hmm. other things. I chose humor. And as I got older, it it, it brought people to me who liked to laugh and who like to have okay. fun, and it just kind of took off from there. And I have wonderful, wonderful life filled with wonderful people. Oh, that, 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 is, that is such a blessing. To, to go now to discuss your books, love the title. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, very creative. Is Hey, Amy, I'm a Black Lesbian Rabbi, is that a work of nonfiction or fiction? That is complete nonfiction. It is... Um, one of my girlfriends, Amy, we were goofing off on the phone one night when I was out of town, as I often am, and she's very spiritual, and she's one of the most beautiful people you'll ever meet. And, um, you know, so I always like to shock my friends. And we started talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about, but we were both sleepy, and somehow it evolved into this title. And it talks about putting your faith before your fears and surrounding yourself with great things so that you can live life to the fullest. Now, when you look at the title, when you look at the title of the book, Rain, it's it it uh, was this your intent? I would think most people browsing a bookstore or <laughs> looking through their Nuke or their Kindle and they see this title, they think, oh, that's either autobiography or somebody's st- story. They're sharing st- short stories, anthology about their experiences as a black woman who's a lesbian. And <laughs> 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 you you. I know it's I know it's very humorous, but the, did you know? I mean, when you chose this title, you would you think that people would automatically assume that or not assume that? I just find it interesting when when you just describe the book and then you link up the title. Well, the one thing I've learned in my lifetime is that people are curious and a lot of people are nosy, and if they see something like that, they want to know what's inside, so they do pick it up. And they do flip through it and say, oh, okay, this doesn't have anything to do with what I thought. Or, okay, she's not a lesbian or a rabbi, or she doesn't even know anybody who's a rabbi, or she does. They can go in and get the information, but once they open the book, it's a grabber. Because it tells them in the the very first page that the book has absolutely nothing to do with sexuality or um, gender or race or religion. It talks about making your mind up to do things that you want to do and not getting off your path. But if you wanted to be a black lesbian rabbi, you could if you put your mind to it. Okay. Now, now I will say this. I'm, see, I'm seeing more books on the market, uh, particularly like if you go in the self-improvement section at a bookstore, but more books that are dealing with intent, our, the power of our intentions, and yeah. how we are uh, the power for us to create our own lives, and I think the secret really took off in showing people that we do it anyway. Right. But we generally do it uh, uh, through our subconscious mind, 
And if you really want, if you're not pleased with your life, then it's time to start doing it with your conscious mind uh, as, as well. Could you give us just some examples or some key points that you cover? And hey, Amy, I'm a black lesbian rabbi that would benefit our off-the-shelf listeners if they've tried, they've read a lot of other books. Because there are times when I've read a lot of material and they're still saying, "But well, this isn't working," and maybe something you say will will turn that light on for them. But just without giving the whole book away, maybe one or two uh, key points that you cover in the book. So that people can get something they can really grab a hold of to start to create the lives that they want, particularly when I just I'm reading a book called The Science of Getting Rich, uh, and it, and it talks about not you can't live you can't create what you want by a, from appearances. So let's say for example, if you say I want a million dollars in my bank account, but you're but you're ten thousand dollars in debt. If you keep focusing on what's there, what's there, the appearance. You won't ever get to the million dollars, so you have right. to. And, it, and, it, and it's work not to do that because oh you yeah, it, right? So, do you what, what? What one or two key points can you share with our off-the-shelf listeners that's in the Hey Amy, I'm a Black Lesbian Rabbi that might help move their lives forward? Well, the one thing I can tell you, and this works, and I'm talking from personal experiences through ups and downs and sideways. Romans four. 417 always tells me, call it those things which be not as though they were. So right. your mind has to always stay on what you want, not what has happened. We are human, and it's easy to, you know, to make some mistakes and look at them and say, oh, my goodness, it's happening again. This is what happened the last time I tried this. You've got to find a way to settle your mind and stay focused on what it is that you're trying to get to. The past is gone. There's no need to talk about that anymore. That's really hard for a lot of people to let go. Sometimes you have to get therapy or you you have to surround yourself with people who are going in the same direction you're going in. I see a lot of people who come to me and they say, oh, I want the life you have, I want this. And I'm like, I look at their friends and I'm like, this is a reflection of who you are. Um, Someone told me years ago, if you want to know who you are, look at the people around you. And that's very true. And if you're going, you want to be president, it's possible. But if the people you're with have that poor thinking mentality, whether it be poor health, you know, they don't believe in doctors, they don't believe in doing things legally, then you have to, to take that away. But if you always remember to call the things that do not exist as though they already are, don't say, um, one day I'm going to be a millionaire. Say, I am a millionaire or I am in shape and start working towards your goal. You can't just say, I want to, I'm a millionaire and sit on the couch or I'm in right. shape and sit on the couch. You have to, you know, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And I so, think, I, um, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I, I I really appreciate what you shared, and you know I've read the scriptures since I was a kid, and I think uh, the the fear of punishment by by our Creator has caused the scriptures to be incredibly misinterpreted. I, re- I really do believe that. But to it, like the this book I was I'm reading, like I told you, the Science of Getting Rich says, and you said it, you just said it, and the scriptures say it. You have to speak about those things. They're not physically here yet, but the fact that you're thinking of them, they exist somewhere. The fact the fact that you are thinking of having a million dollars, being in shape or whatever, the fact that the thought even occurred to you is that right. it exists somewhere. So now you've got to do the work to bring it into the physical realm. And that goes right. for even things you don't want that you're thinking about. You've got to stop thinking about those things. Or you create that, that too. You, right. Those are the things that most people focus on, including me. You know, I get up and I'm like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. Well, my day doesn't have anywhere to go down if I get up with that mentality. I have to mm-hmm. wake up and say today is going to be a great day. I'm going to do the very best that I can do for me. And when the day is over, I'm going to close that chapter and know that I've done my best and start working on tomorrow. 
I also am a firm believer of writing stuff down. Write down what it is you want to accomplish today. You may not accomplish all of it, but if you accomplish one thing, you feel so good about yourself that you want to accomplish two or four or six, and you want to see things happen. And that will help you to make things happen. How how long did it take you? And this book sounds like just an absolutely uh, beneficial, rewarding read, and and it's not a, a work of fiction to our off-the-shelf listeners. It's a type of book that you read it, and I'm sure you'll get some aha points, even if you've read similar books before, because like I was just stating earlier, I've read a lot of books, uh, positive affirmations, goal-setting, whatnot books, but sometimes it takes a hearing something over and over and over before it finally sinks in and you've heard right. it for like the thousandth time and you and sometimes you say, Oh, I don't want to listen to that show, I don't want to read that book, I've already read those books. No, but this time when you do it, it's gonna work something. <laughs> you're gonna right. get it. This this time you're you're gonna get it. So I encourage our listeners to get Hey Amy, I'm a black lesbian rabbi. I wanted to ask you two questions about the book. How long did it take you to write it and did you do any research or interview people to compile the material for the book? Well, let's start with second question. Um, I know so many people, and I run into so many people, because people fascinate me, and I just love interacting with them because you learn so much from it. Um, I talk to people all the time to see what it is they're looking for in life. Are they happy? Do you know Where are they going? And a lot of that I internalize, but also I talk in the book from my own personal life. So that when people read it, they're you know they're like, oh, she doesn't know because she hasn't been there, she doesn't understand, or it's from my personal life. I say that in the book. I use all real names, so any book that you've read, those people are real and their stories are real. Wow. And it took okay. me, um, you know, I worked on the book for a year, but you know, someone else told me, I don't know, twenty years ago, when you're getting to the point of great greatness. Something will always try to put obstacles in your way to stop you from blessing mm. other people. And I, I've always desired to be a blessing to others in any form, whether it's, you know, a laugh or a joke or a meal or whatever. And when I started writing this book, every time I turned around, something happened to keep me from getting the book done. Whether wow. my computer crashed, I got a second one, I got a virus, there was oh my some... Goodness was a hiccup with something, there was some billing problem, I sent it to a company, and that place disappeared, and then um, on April on April 29th this year, cancer showed up at my, me and my husband's door. Oh, I was my diagnosed goodness. with cancer. Doesn't run in my family, just a oh. fluke, was staying with friends, and blammo. I'm like, I am on the verge of something that can bless others. That's why this is happening. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's been you, crazy. <laughs> and you know it's what? been crazy. <laughs> I've I've now see I've heard that um the greater whatever contribution or whatever it is that you're going to express or share with others, the greater the obstacle. If it's just a little small thing, the obstacle is not that big. But if it if it is, you know, it's interesting that you said that because I've heard that before. And you just gotta keep you just gotta keep moving forward. Oh my goodness! I, and you and again, your spirit just comes shining through. Just that, that's a really a blessing that you have a spirit like that. I, I, I want to talk you. about a, another one of your books, and I wanted to ask you. You talk about yard sales, and and I was thinking of my friend that she just popped into my mind when we were in college. She would always go to these flea markets early in the morning, and man, she got she was she knew how to sew too, so she could get she could get a belt, she could get a, a, a scarf, she could get something and make the best outfit, put together the best outfit, and and and, and really accentuate whatever it was she was wearing. How much money? Have you saved by buying stuff at yard sales? Again, a topic you cover in Born Again Bag Lady. How much money would you say you've saved? Uh, you, you saved or spent? <laughs> oh, I would say saved. If you had gone to the store and got the same thing versus getting it from a yard sale or flea market, how much would you would you if you had to guess? How much would you say you saved? Uh, 
You know, let's put it let's put it this way. I was at a um a yard sale a long time ago, like 10, 15 years because I lived in Virginia there. And they had this beautiful oak dresser that I had seen in the store. It was beautiful, and it was about two grand. And the lady there said, oh, yeah, I'm the one who designs these dresses. And, you know, she said, I had this one piece left over, and I couldn't unload it on the furniture store. And I said, okay, how much do you want for it? And she said, well, I'd want 600 I said, okay, well, that's not exactly a yard sale fine to me. And I gave her my card, and we chatted. And, like, two weeks later, she called me. She had to move out of town. She sold that to me for 10 bucks. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So oh if my you gosh. Go out and you chat, you can find all sorts of wonderful books. Um, you can not my book. My wow. book you can find at a yard sale. I I want everybody to know that. <laughs> but you can find some wonderful plants and you know, it's different demographically depending on what state or city you're in. It it's um it's magical the kind of things that you can find at a yard sale. But you gotta be somebody who enjoys digging through stuff. You can save a ton of money. Well, you know what? You just made me think when you just told that story, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners, but you just made me think of a, of a TV show I, I've watched maybe two or three times, and I don't even know what channel it comes on, just ran across it. It's something about accidental fortune or something like that. And where these people, this one guy went into like a, 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 a I don't know, like a, not a flea market, but a, a, one of those stores and like an antique shop. And he bought uh-huh. a, a, he bought some jewelry. And when he looked at the pearl that was in it, he thought this is this is a rare pe- pearl. Wow. And he had it appraised. And the one person told him it wasn't worth much, and somebody else told him, oh no, it was I think in the either the hundreds or thousands of dollars. And this show had like two or three incidents where the person running the store didn't know how valuable the item was. And then a, a, a customer bought it and thought, "Wow, I think this is more value than than the the person who owns the store thinks." And they came into thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh. So that made me think about this dress. Oh <laughs> yeah, goodness. he's selling you that expensive dress for ten dollars. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was you that would, was. You would be surprised. That was that was a fine. That was a fine. Uh, uh, I wanted to say. You you have written so many books and your titles, so you 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 come up with your titles, <laughs> yeah, uh, because you want you want to is it is it because you want a title that's going to grab people's attention and make them come and say what is this book about? Bingo, you got it. That's it. Nail on the head. Oh my goodness! And 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 and, and how you how you come up with these titles? I got to tell you, titles of your books. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Congratulations on I'm forty. I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what? It earned for off the shelf listeners. It earned the Writer's Digest 2008 funniest books. Yes. It, it, it's that is oh congratulations! Thank and, you. And I, I'm thinking about that, and I'm saying to myself, you said I'm forty. And life does change for us after we start heading toward 40, although I know somebody who had a difficult time turning 30. And it seems like when you turn 40, more people you know are are exiting your life. And we also start to deal with our own, you know, realizing that, oh, I'm only going to get older now. <laughs> right. Yeah. In your 20s, you don't feel that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> when you turn 40, it's like, oh, I'm only going to get older now. Did you write all of the the stories in I'm 40, I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what? Or is it an anthology where several writers contributed to the work? I wrote everything, but I took it from sitting around and gabbing with the girls and the guys, same kind of like what we're doing now. And I realized from age 25, which was the youngest friend I talk about in that book, to my oldest friend in there who's in her 90s, we're still complaining about the same stuff. And I thought, okay, there's got to be something here. It's it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad that we start out complaining at 25 about, you know, 10 extra pounds or wrong type of hair or whatever we complain about, and we, we're never comfortable in our skin. And something needs to happen to make us laugh about that. So you, you I find that interesting because I've always heard almost the opposite of this is what I've heard. 
when women are in their 20s, we're very concerned about our physical appearance, and we think we're, we always think we're fat. I don't care if we're skinny, we still think that we're fat. And then when women hit their 40s and 50s, we just don't care as much anymore. And we, we, we can, we're like freed up. We freed up. And then by the time you're older, this is what I've heard, it's you're just as free as you can possibly be. You know, half the stuff you worried about as a teenager in your 20s and 30s, it doesn't even matter. So you're, you're truly enjoying life. I find it interesting that, that and, and that's good, you know, to see a different perspective, that you're finding that people are still concerned about the same stuff regardless of their age. Absolutely. Um, I can tell you, I have one friend. Her name is Bernie, and she lives in Virginia. And Bernie's in her 60s. You would never know it. Her spirit is so free, and I've never heard her complain about, oh, well, you know, girl, I've got 20 extra pounds on, or I'm losing my hair, or facial. She doesn't complain about anything because she's too busy living life. She kayaks, she skis, she's always traveling all over the world, she's growing her own herbs and beans and rocks and God knows what she's doing out there. And she's always been happy about whatever is happening. And I, I've never heard a complaint. Everyone else says that to me. Women, you know, a lot of my friends are in their 50s and 60s and 70s, and they say, oh, you know, Brain, it doesn't matter. You'll just shed that stuff. And then the next conversation is, well, you know, I have to go get my hair done because I just can't stand it all thick and wiry. Uh... And, and I'm like, okay, what your texture is perfect. Oh, no, it just doesn't look good on me, and I've got to get to the gym, and I work out every day, and, you know, I can't go, and I'm getting Botox. And I'm like, okay, if it's not important, why are we discussing this? Right. So on some level, wow. it's still there. Interesting. You're very, you're very, you're very aware. You're very aware. Interesting that you would say that because again, I, I, I've heard that as we get older, we do start to care about things that really aren't that important uh, that much. But if people are still talking about these things, then obviously they still care about them. Please tell us about some of the topics that you discuss. And I'm forty. I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what? So our listeners can can say, okay, I'm interested in that. So, you know, to be interested in, in, in the book. Tell us about some of the topics that you cover in these stories that are in the book. Well, I covered the fact that um, one day I woke up and I went from one hair on my chin to a whole family of hair on my chin to being able to keep up with a goatee. I'm like, okay, this isn't exactly the look I was going for in my 30s, but, you know, I can deal. And because fair-skinned, the hairs are black, and they're like broom straw. And I'm like, okay, well, let's find somebody who can get rid of those. So, you know, one of my girlfriends, she's my friend now, she's my esthetician, Melissa, she gets rid of that. And then a year later, I got this handlebar mustache to go with my goatee. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is happening everywhere. And then, of course, there's a gray hair in my what is self-explanatory. And mm-hmm. people I, when women came to the book signing, it was amazing how many of them would come to me and they would whisper, oh, my goodness, I thought I was the only one. I was so glad to see it in your book. And I thought, this is great. I know I'm not the only one. I, you know, I called up other people to see if this was something that happened to many people, and no one would confirm it. They said it was just me. But now I know there's a slew of women out there who it does happen to, and they are embarrassed. Yes, I was embarrassed, but by the same token, I can laugh about it and talk about it openly. It wasn't something, you know, that I wanted to hide. I wanted other people to know this is a natural part of aging. And mm-hmm. the other thing I talk about in there is how um, how to be comfortable in your own body. I said the first thing mm-hmm. we do when we hit the floor in the morning, we start bashing ourselves. Oh, my goodness, wow. I got under my eyes or, you know, my hair is not right or I I could really, you know, lose 10 pounds or this doesn't fit right. And we have to stop that. I think one of the big keys to manifesting the things you would love in life and enjoying life is to first love yourself. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. Okay, so I have 20 extra pounds. I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm going to go and start walking 15 minutes a day. I'm not going to drink as much of this or that or eat as much of this or that. You're going to start doing things to work towards that. And once you feel beautiful 
or in, in control of who you are, it's easy to stop thinking about the negative things and start focusing on the positive. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That, these topics that you discuss, and I can tell, and I'm sure our listeners can, by the way you are coming across on the interview, you're very open, and I'm sure you write the same way. So uh, it would be like talking to a friend reading your book. And it is helpful when you hear people share experiences that you've gone through and you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm not the only one. That's very empowering to me, I find it so, and I've heard other people say the same thing. I wanted to ask you, just to piggyback on something that you said earlier about how I, I had heard as we get older, we stop caring about things that aren't important. But you said you find people still talking about these things, and and women do still talk about their hair and and different things regardless of age. I remember my, before my grandfather passed, he had told me after my grandmother had a stroke that the certain things that he used to stress out about, did he wash the car, was the oil changed, he just stopped caring about it. He said he realized it wasn't important anymore. Do you think or have you found with some people that you've met that they, they become aware enough that they can tell the difference between what's really important and what's not? And at some point, do we stop stressing out about unimportant things? Yes, we do. But I think we also start switching things around. Um, some things that were important or less important, and then something takes its place. And it, it, you know, you you got to figure out what matters to you. You know, if staying home and cooking and enjoying a good meal matters to you, then that's something you should concentrate on. If your looks are important to you, I think you should concentrate on that. I just don't think being obsessive about anything is good. And it does take a shift. With my friends being older, they still take really good care of themselves. And... Um, but but there's still some concern about certain things that they find important that probably isn't important at this point in life. Okay. When when did you start writing? And then I want to also talk about some of your uh, how, the ways you connect with readers and get the word out about your books. But before that, I want to ask you: When did you start writing down Gracieisms, and why are you calling it Gracieisms? As your name is Rain. Why did you? How did you come up with the Gracieisms? And when did you start writing these Gracieisms down? Well, my family's from the South. My mom is from South Carolina, and my dad is from West Virginia. And my my mom, by the time she was twenty one, she was living in New York City. But it was like she never left the South. I was born and raised in the Bronx, and she had all of these little adages that it didn't matter what was happening. She had something for it, and it didn't make sense because I was a city girl. So as a little girl, I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong with her because that that doesn't apply here. You know, I would say to, to her, I, I'd say, and my, by the way, my mom's name is Gracie, so those are her isms. Oh, okay. And she would, I'd say, well, you know, if this happened or if that happened, and in her southern, you know, drawl, she said, well, if the bullfrog had had a brass behind when he jumped off the bridge, he'd be alive to talk about it today. Okay, that makes no sense to a kid. What are you talking about? But she had hundreds of them. And in 19, let me see, when we, when we moved here, it must have been 2003, when I was coming back from a trip to, from Virginia, I was on the plane and I started laughing, thinking about some of the things she always said, and and that my parents are still alive, so she still says those things. And okay. I just started writing them down and remembering how I what I thought of when I was a little girl, trying to understand what she was talking about, and that's how Gracieisms came into existence. So on the front of the paper is me and my mom, and mm-hmm. in 1968. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So it sounds like your parents, uh, at least your mom or your father also, you all have like a similar sense of humor or do all three of you? Because it sounds like you picked some of your sense of humor from your mother. Does your father have the same type of sense of humor as well? Um, My mom did. I don't know if she really had a sense of humor because it wasn't humorous. That's just the way her family communicated. Oh, Oh, okay. 
true, tried and true Southerners, and that's the way they all communicated. And my dad has a sense of humor. It's, we just don't have the same sense of humor. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> what, 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 Rain, are readers saying to you about your books? What are you hearing from readers about your books? Well, you know, it's wonderful because I don't think I started out thinking that I was an author or a writer. I was just putting some stuff down, and if someone found it, you know, that's great. But I, the light bulb came on when one of my really good friends, actually my, my, my good family, the Carrillos, out in um, Canada, and I went out there, and my girlfriend had Gracieisms on this podium, and it was under this light, and she had it featured. And she invited her friends over from different places in the world to come to this dinner in honor of a book signing for me. I was absolutely floored. I'm like, oh, my goodness, she really thinks I'm a writer. Like, this is real to her. So this must was that, be real. You didn't know in advance it was like a surprise? or It was a surprise. I had, she said she read the wow. book and she, and she ordered tons of copies. But, you know, that's oh, what my your friends goodness. Right? Your friends take pictures and, you know, send them to everybody and they read your stuff. But I thought, oh, my goodness, and she would tell everyone that she met. And in Canada, I mean, it's just taking off. They have been so wonderful to me. Wow. And people come up and they're just like, your titles are so funny, or I feel free, or I read this book, and I thought, okay, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe I really am beautiful. Or, I, you know, I, I had a chance to look at myself and say, yeah, that ha- she's talking to me. This is happening in my relationship. Maybe I'm. it's not my husband. Maybe it's me. Maybe I need to look inside. So I've had lots of great reactions. I haven't had any negative reactions, thank goodness. And people go into my blog, which, you, you know, when you go into my site, you can click on blog and people leave comments and you can go on and see people from everywhere, men and women, saying, this is great, I, you know, I feel like something was lifted off my shoulders when I read that or now I don't feel so old and frumpy or just, you know, just it, it just goes on and on. And I'm really, really thankful and grateful that I'm so blessed by so many people as a result. That is amazing to me. So you're not from Canada. You're from the South. You you lived in in, in New York from the Bronx. And and you and you can and you meet me make a friend who's from Canada, not even a, a whole another country. And your book takes off. It's not like you live there and then you. It, that is amazing. It's just amazing how things work out. Do you yes. see yourself? Rain, do you see it? And for our off-the-shelf listeners who just tuned in, I want to let you know, again, we are talking to the one and only Rain, Rain, Rain. So Rain Thomas, and she is online at, please go over there and check her out while you listen to the rest of the interview, at RainThomas.com, and that's R-H-A-Y-N-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. Again, RainThomas.com, where, where she's, she's our special guest here this evening on Off the Shelf. She's the author of Hey, Amy, I'm a Black Lesbian Rabbi. You gotta, you gotta get the book to learn what it's really about. And Born Again Bag Lady, in case you like to hit the flea markets and the yard sales. And I'm 40, I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what? She has a wonderful, and Gracieisms, a wonderful sense of humor, and she, has a positive outlook and a beautiful spirit, and she shares what she's learned along her journey with you, and particularly as we were discussing, um, hey, Amy, I'm a black lesbian rabbi. That book deals with if there's something in your life you're trying to achieve or accomplish, this is a book that can help you, may very well be the key you're looking for to help you to do that. So I was before I, I, I wanted to introduce you to our li- listeners who are just tuning in, I was getting ready to ask you, do you see yourself, Rain, as a teacher uh, or a healer? You definitely have a sense of humor, but there's something else there as well. Would you say, how, how do you see yourself when you approach or you create uh, your writings, your writing work, when you're thinking about, the readers, the readers who you may meet and the readers who you may not ever meet who you will impact. How do you see yourself in that in that uh in that relationship? How do you see yourself? Well, I, my whole life and especially once I was in my 20s and up, I um I always ask one something that's really important to me is 
I always want to be a blessing to others because I believe, excuse me, I believe that if everyone is a blessing to another, we can make this world much better on a daily basis. And when I write, I try to write where it's off the cuff, it's just the way I talk, as though I'm sitting in the living room with you, um, and, and I want to heal your heart through laughter. That is pretty much my mantra. It's on all of my cards and all of my stationery. If you can take something that's tragic or unpleasant and show someone in real terms how to turn it around, it makes things easier to digest. I've read a lot of the self-help books and self-improvement. A lot of them go on to say, well, you know, if you just, you know, you can work an extra job and save extra money and get out of debt. And they're all of these things that aren't practical to me. Or they're written by someone who's, you know, comes from a wealthy family or they there's someone who, you know, their spouse is, you know, an, an astronaut, and so they have these funds on the side to write, but it's not applicable to me. And so right. I want to write where people know I'm not some fancy girl. I'm a girl who was born and raised in Bronx with a very blue-collar family. Um, we grew up with very little, but enough. And if I can get out of there, because that was my goal, to get out and do something and make something of my life, that you can do it too. And I'm not going to tell you, oh, well, you know, you got to get a college degree and you got to do this. No, you start right where you are and look inside mm. yourself and decide, am I happy? And if I'm not, what is it I need to work on? Because that's wow. going to be the key unlocking where you want to go from here. And always when you go out, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, you talk to everybody. Well, you know what, that's fine. Most of the time I do. But you never know who you might save with something as simple as a smile. Yes. So I'm hoping that my words can convey that. I'm not accusatory, but you'll know if I'm talking to you when you read the book, but you'll know it in the privacy of your own home. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Very. I would love to hear you, um, and I'll ask you this later later in the show as I do all of our guests, I would love to hear you like in in a in a public forum where you're not not maybe not a motivational speaking but you you seem to have um you would come across very powerful as somebody speaking to a group of people you're very open in your in your conversation but where a lot of people might grasp just as much from you hearing you verbally as i mean orally as they do you know, connecting with you in print. You just come across that way to me. Has the process of book publishing and marketing, and I ask a lot of our guests this, and I'm always interested to hear their responses because I know from my personal experience what that what this answer is for me, but has the process of, of publishing a book and marketing it, which is really what a word comes in, has it been what you thought it would be? So before you – well, you just kind of stumbled into the first book you wrote, but let's say after you finished it. You're thinking, you know, I'm going to publish this book. And you have thoughts about what that process will be like and what the outcome will be like. Has that met for you what the actual experience has been so far? Have those two been very similar for you? No, because, you know, I believe um, people get caught up in what one of my high school professors used to say, paralysis of analysis. They put too much thought into something and, you know, and then they start overthinking the process and they miss some windows of opportunity. So I never really thought about, well, how is this going to get published or, you know, I want to sell like a, a jillion copies. I did self-publishing and because I like to go out and talk to people and I'll call anybody on the phone, I would just get on the phone and call strangers and say, hey, can I come in and do a book signing? You know, this is what my book is wow. about. And, oh, yeah. I would send out my own press releases to radio stations and television stations, and I'd go in and say, hey, you know, if I um, donate, because this is important to me. Every event I do, a portion of the proceeds goes to a charity or some kind of fundraiser that the host would like, whether it be cancer or children or animals, whatever they choose, that's important because this needs to be a give-and-take relationship. And so I just call people and say, oh, let's agree on something and I'll bring people into your restaurant or we'll do it at this place or that place. And, it, you know, I fill my funnel every day. I get up and start at 7 o'clock in the morning calling people on the East Coast and saying, hey, can I come out there and do a signing? And 
they'll say, okay, and you're where, and why would you want to come out here? Oh, because it'll be fun, and it'll be like a, you know, a party, and it'll, you know, all of my signings, I tell everybody to take off their shoes, let's think we're in the living room, and it's very informal, and I'm very comfortable with that. So marketing myself, that's the fun part to me. It's just, that's the part I'm really enjoying. That's You know what, and it's so good to hear you say that. I do myself enjoy marketing, but it, it it's, I think it's, for me, I've discovered it's more time-consuming than I thought it would be. Even even in enjoying it, 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 it takes more time than I initially thought it would. I think I thought when I first published my uh, my first book that I would do a, a blast of marketing, even if it took me several months, and then it would, the, the, the sales would just take off. But I find that you have to consistently market and promote there's there's no you know 50 hours a week for like six months and then you get sit back that that doesn't happen you know at least it hasn't for me so that was what was a surprise for me but i do agree you have to call the radio stations yourself that's how i got on radio and tv shows anything you want to do you have to do that yourself what i do admire about you though is how you could call like a restaurant or whatever. That is going to really work in your favor, I think. That will really work in your favor. And have you thought, before I go on, have you ever thought about uh, public speaking? Like I don't, you could do motivational speaking at large corporations. Have you have that, Has that ever crossed your mind to tie that into your books? Or even you could probably do it without tying it into your books. Have you ever thought about that? Well, you know what, I did that for a lot of schools, um, high schools, uh, middle schools, and universities uh, for several years, actually, when I first came out here with the company. And I enjoy that because you you go on, and I run into students years later who graduated, and they say, oh, my goodness, you came to my class and you talked about such and such, and I went on to do so-and-so. So that's always wonderful. But um, my friend Dr. Dietz, who does the Earth Village website, uh, he designed it, and it says mentor icon, and, and there's a page for booking me to speak and any kind of event. So I'm always open when people call me for whatever. Some people call and say, can you do a speaking event, a book signing, and sing some songs. So they kind of mix it up for me to keep it fresh and exciting. So, yes, that's definitely on the agenda going forward in the new year. I think that's fabulous. So to our to our off the shelf listeners, you hear Rain and she is coming through strong. <laughs> her spirit is coming through strong. You can go to her website, RainThomas.com, and it's again R H A Y N E Thomas.com. And at her website, if you want to have her come and speak at an event, you just click on that link and send her the request, and just tell her the type of event you want her to speak at, and give her approximate date and time. And then you, the two of you can connect and take it from there. Are you working on any new material? And, and if so, because it sounds like you are come out with new material every year or every other year. If you are, can you give us a glimpse into what you're working on now and when we can expect to see it on the market? Yes. Actually, it should be in about six months. Um, I, I finished it up. I'm putting the manuscript. I'm typing it up, actually. My girlfriend in New York is the one who does all my covers, so she's working on the covers for the new book. Um, this is actually a two-sided book. One side will have hundreds of questions for you to sit down in the privacy of your own home to start thinking about how you can pick yourself to the very bone and start rebuilding so you can start working on being stronger and more in control. And the other side just has some theories and answers and, you know, to things that you may or may not want to look further into. Uh, side A is called A Beautiful Uterus. And side B is called uh, Song in the Wind or Releasing Your Inhibitions. Wow. Which doesn't seem like you have very many of them. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> no, is, actually. It, it, which, which that's good. You can, help somebody, you can help somebody work through them because some people who actually uh, don't seem very inhibited, they used to be maybe very shy. And when you meet them, you can see, oh, wow, for them to be that open now, I know I can do it myself, if that was your case. But for some reason, I think you've always been open. Who are some of your favorite writers, and what is it about their work you appreciate? I really love Mae Sarden. She passed away many years ago, but I found one of her books, Journal of a Solitude, 
And there was a woman who loved being a writer, but every, you know, there were some days where she was more sure that she was a writer than others. And just her transformation in all of her stories, she did poetry and nonfiction and fiction and these journals. And the journals, I've read Journal of the Solitude about six times. And wow. it Yeah, it was empowering to me because I understood when you're home alone and you think you've done the best you can and nothing is happening, and you're like, okay, I need to sit and just wait this out. So I love her writing. I also love Edgar Allan Poe. Just very um, interesting, uh, almost maniacal in his thinking, but genius in his writing. And um, Shakespeare's definitely another one of my favorites because I had a teacher in high school who loved Shakespeare, and he expressed it so well that I couldn't help but read it because I wanted to see what he was all excited about. Well, oh, and, okay. Yeah, one of my and my one of my favorites from childhood is Donald Goins. Oh, and, I did. And that's not in the yeah. I remember that from years and yes. years and years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so and he kept it real. He was very raw. Yes. He talked about his yes. real what was happening in drugs when he went away, you know, yep. in the war and how he was kind of messed up. And he came back and talked about on the streets that I recognized because I spent a lot of time in Harlem. And so I knew I could put my finger on all those places that he talks about. And it's very gritty. And I, I just love his writing. I just thought he was genius as well. He is very, I do, I do love his work. He is, like you said, he is, he does not pull any punches. He doesn't hold back. And it's, his stories are so authentic. It's, it uh, right. it's amazing. They are incredibly authentic, and I would say even more so than some autobiographies and biographies than I've read. The, just the essence of them that comes across so incredibly authentic. Now I've told our listeners at the start of the show, but I wanted to give you the chance to do it as well. Can you let them know again where are some places that people can get copies? Of your books, and other than you can you know tell them about your website and a couple other places on and offline where they can get copies of your books. Okay, they can go to Amazon. They can go to Chapters if they want to go to the Canadian site. Uh, chapters, I think they're .ca because they are in Canada. They're like our Barnes and Noble. Um, Barnes and Noble, of course, you can get it there. There are hundreds of websites. You just Google my name; it comes up in places I've never even heard of before. Just like pit stop books, and I mean, if you go anywhere and type it in, you can find it at cancer centers because they put it in there for to for uplifting when people are going through chemo. Um, they're in some hospice centers. Um, they're in a lot of small businesses. It, I mean, just all over. It's, it's just been fun. So that's where people can pick it up. They might see it laying on the table in the doctor's office somewhere. Wow. And so if if you don't see it, and I tell people this when I mention my book Long Walk Up, one of my, one of my books, my latest. If you don't see it on the at the book on the bookstore shelves and years ago I didn't know this cuz I love 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 to read. I didn't know this years ago. If I didn't see a book on the shelves, I thought, "Oh, well, I guess I can't get the book." But that it's not necessarily true because the distributor might or the distributor might be carrying the book. All you have to right. do is go to the to the to the to the, the same way you're doing a library. If you don't see a book in the library, go up to the librarian and tell them, you know, I I want I would like like to read this book. Do you have any plans to order it? If enough people ask for it, they're going to get that book. The a library. If at the bookstore, you just go up to the bookstore clerk say you they don't have it. Ask them if you can order it, and you can order. It. Enough people ask to order the book. The bookstore is going to start to carry the book. So that's how you can get any book that you want for off-the-shelf listeners. You don't see it on the shelf, simply ask somebody for it. All you got to do is give them the title and the author's name, and they should be able to look it up through their systems. If you're on any social networks, Rain, can you let our listeners know, because so many people are working through social networks, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Can you let people know where they can find you online if you have any fan pages could you let our listeners know where they can connect with you there yes they can definitely connect with me on facebook and they can connect with me on twitter and twitter it's desert rain because people mispronounce my name so i figured oh if i make it rain in the desert which is the way i sign off people get that so you can find it under desert rain at twitter um rain thomas on facebook and if you go to my site you can go to the blogs. I mean, there's so many ways of just connecting with me. 
it, it, it just goes through everything. And they can get my email off of the website, too, and I answer every email personally, just the way I sign every book personally. Oh, oh my goodness. Besides being active on the social networks, what what other steps have you found? And I know you said you love the marketing, and we uh, you already uh, shared with our, our listeners. And for the writers, you, that's a tip you can take from Rain uh, that she calls the radio station. She'll call up an organization and, and request to do a book signing at their event and do fun things to make it engaging for the readers and for the owners of the establishments. But besides this and the social networks, Rain, what are some other steps or strategies you found to be effective to get out the word about your books? Your friends. You just tell your friends. You have everybody read. You know, you make sure you get your books into the hands of people who enjoy what you do as much as you do. And that's Mm. important because they will talk about it, whether it's strangers. I mean, I have people email me and they say, I, you met my mom when you were in Washington, D.C., and she told me to get your book, and I ordered it, and then I sent a copy to my friend in Kansas, and they sent it to wow. someone. Word of mouth is so important, and, you know, people will promote you. And as long as they think you're doing something that may benefit others, they will promote you. I mean, I I try to talk about my book everywhere I go if I think it might help at least one person. You know what you know what it is, and I'm you believe in the what the the quality of your work and what you're putting out, and that is so important to a writer. I tell you, you can either write a book just to make money and what you see that might be popular currently, or you can write something that you really believe in, something from yourself. I think when you really believe in your own work and you believe in its merit, I think it's easier. To, to tell other people about it because you don't feel like you're asking somebody to give you something like an exchange. You know, of course you'll probably do an exchange. They'll give you money and you'll give them the book. But you feel like what I'm giving you in this book is so much more valuable than the money you just handed me. So you feel fine then marketing your work, I think, when you know that what you created has merit. As we come down to the last three minutes and this show has blown by. We come down to the last three minutes of the day's show. I wanted to ask you, if you weren't a writer, Rain, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I'd be doing voiceovers and singing again. I still sing, but not as much as I used to. So I would definitely be doing funny voices and different accents and, you know, maybe like on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or something like that. That would be, that's my next step. I- you are, are are multi-talented. You've kind of <laughs> amazed me here. If you if you probably have been able to tell, it's just because your spirit's coming through so strong. What advice do you have for new authors who are once where you were, and they are struggling to publish, to finish and publish that first book? Don't overanalyze it. Enjoy what you're what you're writing about. Believe in what you're doing, and tell everybody. Don't. Feel bad about it. Tell everybody. I don't care if you're walking down the street and a cat comes along. Tell the cat because I know the cat has an owner and they can buy your book and they can help support you. So tell everybody. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good one. <laughs> what, what, two, two, two more questions. What book are you currently reading? And if you're not reading any new book right now, what's the last book, title of the last book that you read? Well, I'm reading Journal of a Solitude again, and I read everything by Catherine Ponder. I have seven of her books, and you're talking about inspirational and telling people about believing and manifesting your your dreams and goals. I recommend Catherine Ponder's books to everybody in the whole world. And also, um, Leon Hill, I, I mean, I just all, you know, there's so many great books, and I read them over and over and over, and I keep them right next to the nightstand, so there's like, 15 books that I read simultaneously. Catherine Ponders, never heard her name before. I might have to look her up uh, uh, thanks to you. We are we have less than a minute left, and i got to tell you, I have loved today's show, as I'm sure our listeners have. Oh, my goodness, Rain, I wish you so much success. We have been talking with Rain Thomas, and, and please, please bookmark her website so you can go back there again and again and again. You can check out her blog. She, she she's open to doing speaking events 
and, and you hear her personality coming through. Her URL is R H A Y N E Thomas T H O M A S dot com. Rain Thomas dot com. She is the author of the books, and I encourage you to go out and get her books. Hey, Amy, I'm a black lesbian rabbi. Born again bag lady. I'm forty. I'm feisty, and there's a gray hair in my what and gray seisms. And she's working on a new book, which she said <laughs> should be out on the market in about six months. So if you if you go to RainThomas.com and bookmark it, you can keep up with when a new book comes out and grab a copy. Thank you so much, Rain, and thank you for our off the shelf listeners. Please meet us back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we always love, love, love bringing you wonderful authors and publishers and editors, publicists and other movers and shakers in the book industry. And as I always tell you, go out and create a fabulous evening and a fabulous Saturday for yourself. And remember, you're so incredibly valued and so truly blessed. Rain, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye, Denise. Bye for now. Thank you.